Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You are worthy of all praise and glory and honor. And we praise you tonight for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will be doing. Tonight, as we look at the Word of God, we pray for a heavy and powerful anointing of the Holy Ghost that you may reveal to us the meaning of the Word of God and what the Spirit has for the churches. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated around the church tonight. I want us to start in Revelation chapter 2. While you're getting there, those watching online at the Holy Ghost Fire Church Roki Channel, starting tonight, we are live at 6 o'clock on Friday, probably more like 6.15, in the same on Saturday, and then around 11 probably on Sunday morning. We are here preaching the Word of God. Let your friends know that they can watch these sermons live and on demand depending on the time you're watching this. You will be blessed of the Lord when you do so. If you live in the southern San Joaquin, northern Stanislaw County region, Holy Ghost Fire Church is the church for you. Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. Friday and Saturday, 6 o'clock. Bring a Bible, bring a friend, come to the house of the Lord. For more information, visit our website, holyghostfirechurch.org. There you will find the directions on how to arrive at this church. And you will be blessed when you do so. Are we all together tonight? Let's start. Revelation chapter 2. The first four words of verse 2. I know thy works. Let's go a little further. Verse 9. I know your works. A little further, verse 13. I know your works. I'm going to really get carried away here, the next line. And where you dwell. For all seven churches, Jesus uses the line, I know your works. Because Jesus sees what's going on in the church. Seven churches listed here. Jesus knew what was going on in all of them. He then tells John what's going on in all seven churches. You can say that Jesus is revealing to John what's happening in each of these churches. So Revelation really works this way. Jesus knows what's going on 
then he lets his own know what they need to know. Are we together on this? Now, what does this have to do with anything? Quite a bit, actually. Follow with me to Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll start with verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. There we see that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. We also see what, verse 16, that Paul ceases not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So, I got a question here. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's in Rome. From what we can figure out through the rest of these epistles, the prison epistles especially, Paul's been in jail. He has very little knowledge of what's going on in these churches. Yet why does Paul know what to pray in the Ephesus church? He hasn't been there in a number of years. Now, he has this prayer request that he has been praying for the church. Answer. Jesus revealed this to him. What did we see in Revelation? Especially that first church, the Ephesus church. I know your works. Then Jesus let John know in Revelation what's going on. So here, when Paul is in prison, the same Jesus who let John know what was going on about 15, 20 years later, He is revealing to Paul what is happening in the Ephesus church. And he is telling him what to pray. How to pray for this church. So Jesus reveals these things. And part of the reason why he reveals these things is for us to intercede for people or churches. Here is Paul. He can't go to Ephesus. The Romans, they kind of want to keep him in Rome at this point. Yet here is Paul. He is sitting in the jail cell. And the Spirit is revealing to him what's going on. And the Spirit then is leading Paul into praying for these things. Intercessory prayer. The Spirit tells Paul what to pray for. Then Paul begins to intercede for the church. And he does this 
and he lets the church know what's going on. Now, keep in mind when Paul wrote Ephesians, it was meant as a personal letter to the Ephesus church. The Holy Spirit, however, reveals this to us. This is why we as a church can set these as part of our goals and why we can pray these things. But for the Apostle Paul, when he prayed this, it's a little different than us reading this and then praying it for ourselves. Paul read this or heard this and then he began to pray for this church as led by the Spirit in an intercessory mode. What is intercession? When the Spirit puts a burden on someone to pray for someone else or for another church, the Spirit will do this. Let's stay in the book of Ephesians. Turn to page chapter 3. Verses 13, 14 through 19. I probably will not read it all, but I'm going to start with verse 14. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ with passive knowledge, that we might be filled with the fullness of God. Why is Paul praying this prayer for this church? He's not praying this prayer for himself. He is praying this prayer for this church. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is leading him to do so. The Holy Spirit is leading Paul to pray this exact prayer for this church. As I said, for us, it's following the example of Paul. But for Paul, who does not have the book of Ephesians, the Spirit is revealing to him not just what to write. He is revealing to him how to pray for this church. A few pages over. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. That's the next prayer. It starts... And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Hold there for a second. How does Paul know to pray this? Paul, when he writes this book, has not been to Philippi for a long time because he's still in jail. Yet what do we see? The Spirit telling Paul how to intercede and pray for this church. So what are we seeing here? 
kind of a trend. The Spirit reveals, then Paul prays, interceding for the church. While Paul is in Rome, he is developing an intercessory prayer ministry. Keep in mind, Paul cannot get to Ephesus. Paul cannot get to Philippi. But the Spirit is revealing to him what the condition of these churches are. And then telling him how to pray for these churches according to the plan and will of God. Are we still here? Let's keep moving. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is a little bit different than Philippians and Ephesians. Why? Because Paul, when he wrote this letter, had never set foot in the city. Never been to Colossae. Yet what do we have? The Holy Spirit revealing to Paul what's going on in the church and then leading him into how to pray for that church. Now, notice what the Spirit is doing here. He is leading Paul to pray for spiritual blessings. That's what the Spirit is doing. And how does Paul respond? Verses 9 to 11 again. For this cause also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to decide that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and all suffering and joyfulness. So what do we see here? Once again, we see the Spirit revealing to the Apostle Paul about how and what he should pray for the Ephesus church, the Philippian church, and the Colossae church. As we mentioned earlier, Paul had never been to Colossae, yet the Spirit reveals to him how to pray for these believers. In the book of First and Second Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, he reveals about what? How the Spirit leads him to pray for those in the Thessalonica church. We can say the same thing about First and 2 Timothy. In those epistles, the Spirit is leading the Apostle Paul 
into prayer for Timothy, telling him specifically what to pray for. Even in Philemon, the Apostle Paul is praying about the communication of faith. How does he know this? The Spirit is revealing all of this. The point behind all of this as we start here is this. The Spirit led Paul into being an intercessor. He led Paul into what he needed to pray for these churches. And then he began to pray for these churches. Let's go back to the book of Revelation for a moment. I would imagine in chapter 2 and chapter 3, that was pretty eye-opening for the Apostle John, who was on the Isle of Patmos, and had not been in any of those churches in years, to know what was going on in them. I would say it goes beyond even for John, the writing of the second and third chapter of Revelation, knowing what he knows about the church, he now can begin to intercede for each of those churches. The Spirit has revealed to him what's going on. Part of it, obviously, to warn the churches about their spiritual condition. But also for John to begin to intercede for these churches, to let them know what was happening and to pray for the Lord to set them on a right and correct path. When we are given information by the Spirit, one of the main reasons we are being given this information is to intercede for these people, to pray for them specifically. Now, in reading about many great Christians. We see that the Spirit reveals certain things about their lives to ministers. And part of the reason this happens is so that the minister can begin to intercede And pray. I remember reading about one incident. This one minister was having a dinner at the house of a friend. And in the middle of the dinner, he said, You have to excuse me, but the Spirit is leading me to pray for so and so. The host, they joined the minister. And for the next number of hours, they prayed specifically in tongues for this person. 
until the Lord gave them a release to stop praying. They later found out that the person was in great trouble. And the reason why that the trouble did not happen was because the Spirit led this minister to intercede in prayer for these things not to happen. The Spirit leads ministers into praying for others in an intercessory type of prayer. Tonight, I want us to begin to look at what the Spirit is leading us to do. Not once, but twice during the course of the last seven days, the Spirit really put on my heart the fact that a church and a ministry should be dealing with intercessory prayer. Now let's define this into two categories. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. My earliest memories were in a Pentecostal church. And one of the staples of a Pentecostal church was prayer request. And then after the request was made, the entire church would get on their knees and they would begin to pray for each request. You can say that they were interceding for the other person's request. Intercessory prayer is not praying for yourself. Intercessory prayer is praying for others. The first type, as we just mentioned, prayer request. And then later, we would have testimony service. And part of that was the prayers being answered. Did that have a profound effect on my life? Absolutely. To the point that when I went to work in a Christian school, every morning we were supposed to lead the students into prayer. And I began to take prayer requests literally from day one. Don't ask me why. That's just something that I did. And every day, we took prayer requests, wrote them down, agreed with the kids, and we prayed for every request that came in. This would be an intercessory type of prayer. Even though I was specifically asked to pray, most of the requests, by the way, dealt with issues outside the classroom. So it was a true intercession. We were not really praying for each other. The vast majority were people outside the classroom. We were interceding as a group. They didn't know it. It didn't dawn on me till later. But that's what we were doing. We were interceding and praying for these people to the point that other requests would come in for us to pray during the course of the years. 
even when I began to teach a Bible class, introduced the same concept. Prayer request, intercessory prayer. Now, one of the big things that's happened through the years is that the concept of prayer request has kind of disappeared from the local church. And that's really not a good thing. Because the scripture says we are to bear one another's burdens. Which means we are to pray for one another. Yes, I know what it says in James. Any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church and we will do this. This is vitally important that we do this as a church. But the concept of prayer request, namely the concept of interceding for those, even those which are not part of the group, is vital for a church. The reason why we saw many a miracle in my classroom through the years, legitimate, real miracles, was because there was a pattern established in the churches I grew up in about prayer and interceding for others. We need to return to establishing that pattern in the church. To pray for each other's needs and to pray for those that we are asked to pray for. I am for people letting us know what to pray for. I've never been big on unspoken requests. I'll be honest. Now, if you want us to pray in it's a private matter, let us know discreetly, but we will still agree and pray for these things to happen, for the prayers to be answered. A church needs to be a prayer warrior church, especially prayer meetings. In a prayer meeting setting, I really think it's important for the needs of the people to be vocally spoken in the prayer meeting so the prayer can go forth to the Lord so those prayers can be answered. Are we still together on this? Now, let's expand on this a little bit. What we talked about at the early part of the message is something completely different. The Lord revealing to us what we should be praying for. As in the Spirit telling us what we should be praying for. How many of you, through the years, can honestly say you felt this urge to go pray? 
Why is this important? Why, when the Spirit tells you to begin to pray, that you begin to pray? Because the Spirit has put a burden on you to pray for someone else. And their needs or their situation in all likelihood really depends on you interceding and praying. The Spirit is trusting you with this responsibility to pray for the specific needs that He is revealing to you. This is a solemn responsibility given to you and an honor. God would not be doing this if He didn't think He could trust you. Are we together on this? It's an honor and a privilege for the Spirit to lead you to pray for a person. He knows you're dependable and you can be counted on. So what we need to do is really to reward the faith that the Spirit has in us to begin to pray for whoever we have been led to pray for. Now, sometimes the Spirit will reveal to you what you are praying for. Other times, the Spirit will not reveal much. In the cases where the Spirit reveals to us, we need to pray as the Spirit is leading us to pray. For those who do not know what they're praying for, that could be a time to start praying in tongues. Because the Spirit will lead you to pray as you should in that situation. But in both cases, the Spirit is trusting you to pray for these people or for a situation or for the neighborhood or for whatever the Spirit is leading you to do. We said, by being given the honor to be an intercessor, it means that the Spirit is really depending on you to do what is necessary for that prayer to be made so it could be answered. Let's go a little further. In many cases, if you 
don't do the praying, there could be a consequence on the other end. They are depending on you to pray, even though they don't know you have been called to pray. At that moment, you make the time and begin to intercede, to pray however the Spirit leads you to pray. Now, as we mentioned, sometimes it could be individuals. Sometimes it could be people that you know or people in the church. Sometimes it might even be someone you've never met. Sometimes you'll be praying for churches. Sometimes for those in your neighborhood. The responsibility is a sacred one to make the time to set the time aside really even to drop what you're doing and pray. You pray as the Spirit leads you to pray. Sometimes it will be about physical issues, health. Sometimes about safety. Sometimes about needs there in a person's life. Sometimes it's spiritual issues. Sometimes it'll be things that never even crossed your mind that should be prayed for. But the Spirit wants you to pray for these needs. Tonight, the Holy Spirit is leading us into the path of intercessory prayer. This is an honor and a privilege. It really is. I mean, it's easy to say it's a burden, and yeah, I can understand why it would be. But ultimately, the Spirit is putting responsibility on you simply because He can trust you. And let me stress something. If the Spirit can trust you in the area of prayer, and if you then begin to pray as led by the Spirit, the Spirit will begin really to give you more and more opportunity about 
things that He can trust you with. Every one of us has been called to prayer. Are we together on that one? Every single one of us. Here, online, every single one of us has been called to prayer. Each and every one of us, we will hear prayer requests, be it in church, be it your place of work. If they know you're a Christian at the grocery store, you might get prayer requests there. You have been given the opportunity to intercede for these people. The Spirit has given you this responsibility because He knows He can trust you. That He can depend on you. The worst thing we can do is honestly disregard His trust. But I know you're not the types to do that. When the Spirit puts this burden on you, this honor, this privilege. We need to take it as it is. The honor to pray for these people so that the Spirit can move so God can get the glory for answering the prayer. And once you start moving into the direction of taking prayer requests, even in your own life, then yes, the Spirit will probably move more and more and more into what we've been talking about, revealing to you what you should be praying for in other areas, for other people, in certain situations. But you really have to go through the first before the Spirit begins to reveal the second. You've got to be open to pray for others before the Spirit will move in what we call intercessory prayer, revealing to you what to pray for. We need to view this as an honor and a privilege because it really is. A number of years ago, one of the first times the Spirit spoke, it was a simple line, can I trust you? Well, the area of trust really begins with prayer. I am trusting you to pray for specific people. Those who come your way and are giving you prayer requests. Can I trust you to do so? I'm giving you the honor and the privilege and the responsibility to do so. When we reward this trust by doing what the Spirit asks us to do, then yes, we will be moving into different areas of prayer from that point on where the Spirit reveals us what to pray for without other people telling us what to pray for. This is a solemn responsibility. As we move into these days ahead, we are going to really stress more and more about the importance of praying for one another. 
praying for the natural blessings in our lives, be it health, be it finances, be it safety, but also the spiritual blessings. We're going to stress being open to the Spirit when He leads you to pray, to begin to pray. Because this is an honor and a privilege that the Spirit is giving you. Don't view it as a bad thing. View it as a positive thing. God, through the Spirit, is depending on you. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now it's a prophetic ministry. Let's wrap it up with this. Intercession is going to be a key part of it. We need to pray for others as revealed by them or by the Spirit. Because prayer is a key part of a prophetic ministry. And praying for others so God can change their lives is vital because it will open the door for them to either grow in faith or those around them or even them to become believers in Jesus, to become part of the church. Really, to be who Jesus wants them to be. Answered prayer is a way that the Spirit uses to draw people to Jesus. I know you never thought of it probably in this term, but the first way of witnessing is praying for people. Because when God answers those prayers, it becomes a testimony to God about what He did and what God started was that you prayed for someone. So tonight, as we wrap this up, I want us to really be sensitive to the Spirit. Even when someone says, I want you to pray, pray. But when they're not even saying the word prayer request, but they're telling you about things, Maybe that's the hint that you should be praying for those things. You end those conversations, by the way, with a line like, do you mind if I pray about this for you? Because they need to know that when these things change, that it is God that brought the change. We need to be sensitive to everything that's going on around us. And if it becomes something that's clear, it's a prayer point, we need to pray. Because this is what we've been called to do, an honor and a privilege. But to see lives change, sometimes it really does begin with a simple prayer. 
Let's stand across the church tonight. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We thank you.